0: Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher, where we discuss everything that brings us life. Tell me a little bit about your kind of your your writing process and what you put into it and what you get out of it.
1: For me, writing is a way to clarify my thoughts, and my experiences. My wife and I oftentimes talk about how our brains are very different. And she is, in fact, the kind chemist wife who's mentioned in the title. She is an organic chemist. She is also a professor. And she has a very scientific brain. Mm -hmm. She has seemingly one thought at a time. Wow. I know. It's very ordered.
0: That's wonderful. I'm jealous. I, I
1: know. I know. It, it's her thoughts are rational. She is very ordered in the way that she approaches things. And she is always calm. Mm-hmm. There are very few times when I have seen her be anything but her sort of steady self whereas I am the rapid cycler some moments I am joyous other moments I'm sobbing and that could be within the space of you know 20 minutes Um, and (laughs) she is just always always steady so if I were to ask her what are you thinking about right now she would be able to tell me and it would make sense if someone were to ask me, what are you thinking about right now? I would probably have 10 different responses and it would take me a while to figure out what exactly was going on because my brain just works in a different way. Sure, sure. So writing was really helpful for me, especially writing about the last section in the book that deals with the medical stuff and a lot of the pain issues. I essentially was tortured. And I don't mean that to say that any medical provider said I am out to torture patients. That's not what it was at all. It it was an attempt to help me. But it was torture. Yeah. And being able to write that and talk about it in my mind and then put it down on paper was really important for me to understand why, for instance, when my care providers say, well Sarah, I I I think it's very clear that you have PTSD from all of this, my first response was, no, that that can't be true. What right. what possibly have I been, I've been through that would be worthy of that diagnosis
0: and then you look
1: and then I look right and when you have it all written down uh, I certainly learned with going to multiple medical appointments if you have documentation they pay attention they also pay attention if you bring along an organic chemist <laughs> <laughs> Just as a hint for anyone listening who may need to figure out, how can I get a medical care provider's attention? Bring along an organic chemist. Here's Um, a tip. Everybody pay
0: attention. Big tip.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. But having it in writing was something that I could then go back to not only myself and realize, yes, this really happened. And yes, it was really big. But it was also something that I could then share with other people, especially when I wasn't up to having 25 individual conversations with people about my journey through the medical care system.
0: Yeah.
1: And one of the nice things, which I know is is not what you asked me, but here I am showing how my mind does not work in a linear fashion. Um, <laughs> That's one, <fine. laughs> one thing that has been really nice about this is I didn't go into the process of of publishing anything with the idea that I would become a mentor to other people who were dealing with health issues, but that's essentially what's happened. Mm. And I have heard from people who live in the United States, Canada, um, Europe, Um, And and a group of of people from Australia who have read either individual things that I've published in various journals or they've read the book or they've seen an interview or something. And Mm -hmm. whatever my experience has been has somehow related to them, whether it's we have some of the same diagnoses or we've tried some of the same treatments or medications But I know how important it is, especially when you're wandering at two or three in the morning and you think there's nobody who really understands. It's really nice to know that there is somebody who gets it. And I am glad that I am able to to be that person for others.
0: Yeah, it, it, illness, especially chronic illness, really is a lonely journey. Even when you've got people who are physically right there with you, uh-huh. uh, unless you have gone through the, yeah. the the physical pain and the anxiety and the the, the frustration and sometimes uh-huh. feelings of fruitlessness, uh-huh. um, it, you it. To know, yeah, I I can see how someone reading that who uh, didn't have anyone who would understand or know that just to feel uh-huh. a sense of kinship to know this person has been through this. I am yes. not alone
1: in the world. She, ha-. yeah, that's yes. well, that's gotta make you feel really good. It does. It does. It makes me feel very good that I can serve that purpose. On the flip side, it increases my level of anger about certain things, including the way that our healthcare system works here in the United States, and including the fact that women especially are, as well as people of color, their experiences of pain are not taken as seriously as other reports of pain. Right. And I see that anecdotally simply from the people that I interact with and that that makes me frustrated and angry.
0: absolutely absolutely so what what changes to the medical system do you think are, are would fundamentally change or help uh, you know treating and diagnosing illness like this?
1: Well, first of all, let me say that I am very appreciative of all of our healthcare workers, and I know that right now uh, they are exhausted, oh, yeah. and they deserve every <laughs> every possible support from the public that they can get. Yeah. So I I feel for them. Many of my former students are nurses or other healthcare providers, and I know they're exhausted, and I know how hard they're working. Overall, I feel like we have to make some changes to the way that we fund healthcare and the way that insurance works and obviously there are many people who know far more about that that are working on those issues and I feel for people who have options that they can't afford so There's a potential treatment, but their insurance doesn't cover it, or they don't have insurance. Those sorts of things, I feel, are just so inhumane. Yeah. I also would like to see there be more attention to the kinds of issues like interstitial cystitis um, and vulvodynia is another thing that I um, was diagnosed with. They primarily affect women, although certainly anyone can can have some of these diagnoses but i know that there's a sense amongst the women who who have these diagnoses that if if it was something that primarily men had there might be more treatments mm. there might be more attention and money put towards it and chronic pain in general i we've learned from the opioid crisis that we do not have good ways of treating chronic pain, and we desperately need them. Um, we have so many people who are living with chronic pain, and from a very uh, larger perspective, we need more treatments that are effective and work, obviously. Yeah. From a micro perspective, I wish that there was a way to train healthcare providers in a way that they would take, take the report seriously from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And I understand, I truly do understand that they have dealt with so many patients who have who knows what kinds of issues. But I have just read about and talked to so many people, especially women, who report that even though they've said to multiple doctors, I'm in terrible pain, they're not necessarily treated seriously. Right. And we need to stop that. We need to take people seriously and we need to treat pain as something that is a diagnosis of its own that needs treatment, not as simply a symptom.
0: Well, it takes, I mean, it takes so much of the body's energy to deal with pain to handle yes. pain to process pain that yes. i mean they you know they like if you're if you're healing from surgery or a broken limb they mm-hmm. say one of the most important things is to take your pain medicine and don't hurt because it's going because being in that pain is going to impede your body's ability to heal right. and so right. that is the case and then we encounter this opioid crisis and so yes. i understand yeah. i understand why doctors are now being so cautious in prescribing effective pain medicines but for crying in a bucket let's come up with some new pain medicines that exactly. maybe aren't as addictive as, as opioids but that yes. will be effective and uh, it, it's it's frustrating and sad that that hasn't happened yet cuz pain yes. like you said it's just not being prioritized
1: yes no i i absolutely agree and the way that people are spoken to by medical care providers is something that they they retain and they remember. And I know that from my own personal experience and from talking with many others, I had a healthcare provider who looked at me and reviewed all of the, it was my first appointment with this person, and reviewed all of the documentation I brought in and said, well, there's One thing that I can think of that would explain all of this, and that would be a psychiatric issue. What? And thankfully, I had my uh, secret weapon with me. And my (laughs) wife basically said, thank you uh, for your time and got me bundled up and out of the office very quickly but i thought here i am i am i am a person who has the privilege of a lot of years of education and many degrees i am someone who has the educational background to be able to read and understand studies that are published i have a spouse who is uh, also has a doctorate in organic chemistry i have document after document. I have this rolling folder or rolling bag with uh, three ring binders in it of all of this medical documentation. And that is what she has said to me. I can only imagine what that care provider has said to other people who didn't present with what I presented with. Right. So I think about that and I I realize she may have been having a bad day. God knows what was going on in her own personal life. But that is something, even though it was a one comment by one person, it impacts the way that I interact with all of my medical providers because I think of that and I think, okay, when I see a new person, I need to make sure that I present in a way that they aren't going to immediately think that I'm a psychiatric case. Right.
0: That is, that, it's, it is so frustrating. And when I was going yes. through Lyme disease, when I had late stage Lyme disease uh-huh. and had not yet been diagnosed, I was going, you know, from one doctor to another. Uh-huh. I had an HMO, an HMO plan at the time, so I had to get referrals and uh-huh. wait a long time to get the appointments, which I uh-huh. will never again. But anyway, so I finally got to the neurologist appointment that I had been waiting for for like five months now. Uh-huh. So I was having neurological Lyme disease symptoms at this time. Mm -hmm. And he looked at my legs and saw that they were unshaven and saw that I teared up while I was talking about the journey to that point. And he said, I think this is going to take care of it. And he wrote me a prescription for Paxil and he walked out of the room. Oh, Shannon. And I just thought, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Like. (laughs) Oh my God. And I told, I mean, I told, you know, other people. I'm so sorry. thank you yeah but i mean i knew that it was bullshit. pardon me i normally don't curse on my uh, show but this really made me mad (laughs) right no this calls for it this calls for it and i have a a a friend who's a pharmacist he said i see so many women come in here who are obviously sick and the doctors just write them a prescription for an antidepressant and tell them that it's got to all be in their head and he was just so angry because he said that as a pharmacist not a doctor a pharmacist that he could physically see that these women were ill in some way Could, yes. They were presenting to the pharmacist yes. as ill, yes. and yet the doctor is giving them yes. a prescription for an antidepressant. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that you have been through that because it is like it it, it just stops you in your tracks and you just it kind does. of think,
1: what, what, what? Like it does. <laughs> Well, and I am very sorry that that happened to you. you. And I know that you know that that never should have happened and that person should right. never have said that. But I think of the fact that you and I have both had that experience. We've talked to so many other people who've had that experience. It is clear that this is something that regularly happens, especially to women. Absolutely. And that is a problem because you and I had the resources and the tenacity to keep going to find answers. Yeah. And I think of the people who did not have the resources or the energy or the support, et cetera, who are just suffering alone at home and they've given up trying to get medical help because they've been ignored.
0: Right and dismissed and and then their their loved ones their, who who live there with them then question yes. the diagnosis if a if a medical professional has questioned a diagnosis so then yes. they're they're living they're living in this prison that yes. they can't escape from yeah right it's horrible
1: it's just yeah. horrible yes someone shared with me some time ago I believe it was a Twitter thread that that people were contributing to where women were talking about going into emergency rooms and talking about horrible pain they were experiencing and saying, look, I've had two children and I'm telling you this is worse than labor and they get nothing. And then their husbands go to the same place and they immediately, you know, because they have a kidney stone or whatever it is they've got and they're treated immediately. They get all of these pain meds and all of Mm -hmm. this sympathy. (laughs) Right. It's
0: ridiculous.
1: It is. It is
0: absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. I went in, I had a horrible migraine. Like this was when I had the Lyme, uh, when I had the Mm. Lyme disease and was having the nervous symptoms, but didn't quite have the right diagnosis yet. And so I had these, you know, they would last for a week and they were excruciating. I was, I would like hold my head and rock back. I mean, like it was so bad. So I, my doctor had found kind of the, the right medical we still didn't know what was going on but my primary care doctor it was it was basically a combination of narcotics and Mm anti-inflammatories and tylenol that that those things together worked well this one didn't and so i called my doctor and he said well my office is about to close go to the er tell them i sent you and tell them to give you xyz cocktail so i went there and I told them that my doctor's office was about to close, but then he told me to come here and get XYZ cocktail. He treated me as a drug seeker, refused no. to give me that medicine and gave me some, God. I forget what the, what the injection is. I mean, it did, it, I mean, it took the edge off a little bit, but crying in a bucket, I'm here because the, the narcotics yes. I have at home that I've already taken aren't working.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah.
0: The opioid epidemic, awful. I mean, like it is at odds with patient treatment and that's, it is. Th- that is we've got to find some sort of because the two cannot coexist together, limiting right. drugs and treating pain
1: like we can. Right. No. And I I consider myself to be very lucky because I tried a variety of the opioid patches and the opioid medications. And other than making me sort of tired, they yeah. they didn't touch my pain. So I haven't needed to be on them, but I know there are some people for whom that is the only thing that has been offered to them that works. And it is harder and harder for them to have access to it. And I just think that's criminal. I know it's
0: ridiculous. That needs to change. And I I, I don't know what we do to change that, but I think that the the education system, uh, when training doctors is perhaps a a
1: good place to start. (laughs) Well, and this podcast, I mean, we're talking about it and people are going to listen. And the more that we talk about it, the more people will have to pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, Sarah, this has been
1: such a wonderful conversation. I am so glad to
0: have had you on
1: the show. Yes, thank you so much. It was great to catch up with you and I appreciate your interest in
0: the book. Well, absolutely, and 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 like you said, hopefully this conversation will will stir up some other conversations to uh to to bring some about some change and uh, yes, and and indeed. some emotional support and maybe somebody out there listening might not might not feel so alone.
1: Perfect. So, uh, I love yeah. it. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, the name of the book is "Kind Chemist Wife: Musings at 3 a.m." My guest has been my old friend, dear friend, Sarah Bigum, and for the authors on the air, Global Radio Network. This is Shannon Fisher. See you next time.